You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode 96. As you are growing your food blog, you may start to find that you have a lot of dreams and things that you would love to do with your blog. In this interview, I'm going to be talking to Christine Pittman about her experience running two different food blogs, building a team over the years, and redesigning two websites at one time. You're going to hear us really talk honestly about some of the things that she has learned over the years, some of the ways that her business is pivoting this year, and a look inside the process of redesigning both of her websites with us earlier this year. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This week's episode is a little bit unique, and I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with you. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, Christine Pittman is one of our former clients. We worked together to redesign both of her food blogs, which are called Cook the Story and The Cookful. And after meeting with her and really digging into the strategy for both of her brands, I knew that I wanted to have her on the podcast to talk about the way that she runs her two different food blogs that honestly are run completely uniquely. You would expect that somebody would have two blogs and run them about the same way, but for Christine, her two websites are very different and they are run very differently. Christine also shared with me as we were working together how her team was structured and how she has built her team. And she's actually made a lot of changes to that over the last few months since we worked together. So in this episode, I really am just excited for you to open your mind to some of the ways that other food bloggers do things. And I hope that you will get inspiration hearing from Christine, some of the things that have worked for her, some of the lessons that she has learned. And ultimately, I really wanted her to be able to touch on her experience of working with us as well. But we talk about that just briefly at the very end end because there is so much that I wanted Christine to be able to share with you just about what she has learned over the years. So I hope that you will enjoy this interview. Welcome Christine to the Vine podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Oh, Madison, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you are one of our clients from earlier in this year, and we worked to redesign both of your websites earlier this summer. And through that process, I just learned so much about your business and just the way that you structure your food blog. And so I'm so excited to hear more about your blog story and just some of the ideas that you have just run with, because I think, like I was telling you before we started, you've really been able to kind of take the walls off of the typical blocks of a food blogger. And so, yeah, I'm just excited to hear some of the unique things that you do. And I think food bloggers will take a lot of ideas from it. So could you start by just giving us an overview of what your two blogs are and what they're all about? Yeah, sure. So Cook the Story is my personal food blog that I started back in 2010. And it is, what is it? Homemade, healthy, easy-ish recipes. It's kind of vague. I didn't niche very good and I never really have. But there's lots of like basic tutorials, how to 
kinds of things on there. Not super innovative. It's things people search for, people want to make, how to make gravy, that kind of thing. And then the Cookful I launched in 2015. And that one is contributor based. So from the beginning, I wanted to have other bloggers or recipe developers contributing recipes and I wanted to pay them. And that one, what we do is we pick a topic like basil or stuffed peppers or popcorn. And we just do a whole bunch of recipes and tutorials all focused on that topic. So those are the two sites. Yeah. And I think um, when we were working together, kind of we did narrow in a little bit on that niche for Cook the Story. And I think it was weeknight meals and also like your holiday, like dinner staples. That's that's kind of how we separated the two out because there's a lot of overlap, but it is very different from the cookful and how you have that structured. Yeah. And I think actually you're right. The, the niche I think of, there's not a lot of desserts on there. It's kind of like if you're a home cook, what do you need? You need your weeknight meals. You need some side dishes, entrees. You need to be able to get through your week. And then sometimes you're having a big barbecue or you're having the family over for Christmas and you need those recipes. So it's it's that, just the basics that a home cook needs, I guess. Yeah. Those staple recipes that are kind of your, your go-to recipes for just those go-to events. It's not like something totally outlandish that is like a one-time thing. It's really those repeatable meals for people. Okay, so let's let's talk about the cookful for a second. So how did you decide to use contributors? And how did you decide like that you wanted to kind of go all in on these topics and sort of have these collections of recipes? So, so I'll start with the first, the second question that was around then 2013, 2014 on cook the story. I was noticing that certain types of posts were doing better in my analytics than others. And I I had been going to different conferences and things, and they were talking about interlinking your content. And if you, I mean, this is all well known to bloggers now, but it wasn't then um, that if you have something that's doing well, then doing more things like that is a good strategy. And it occurred to me that having a site that was purposely building everything around a topic like that and and trying to interlink and have that like a full-fledged expert on like expertise on each topic that that would probably do really well. You've probably heard me talk about this before. Originally, I wanted to have a whole bunch of different websites. So that I ha- I bought the domains for, because I was Cook the Story, I bought the domains for Stuff the Pepper, Slurp the Soup, and Flake the Fish uh, based on the Cook the Story thing. And I was going to have a whole site on Stuff Pepper, the whole site on Fish, and a whole site on Soup because those were the three things that were doing best on my site then. And it was through talking with a uh, people that were just like, you can't possibly manage that many blogs, it's too much, that the idea got refined into one site that had these different topics as part of it. And then in terms of using contributors, I knew that I couldn't, I knew I wanted a second site. I knew I wanted it to be more well-defined and strategic in a way that Cook the Story hadn't been. I really wanted to try out what I had learned about Cook the Story and growing it. I wanted to try it with something new and like not make the same mistakes I'd made before. But I also knew that I couldn't do it all myself. So I wanted contributors. And at that time, people were doing a lot of sponsored posts for brands and in in the food blogging world. And I remember it being like this pain point that we had to, we had to find the sponsors and you had to do the content and they had all these requirements that they wanted for the posts. And then you had to do all the social media and bloggers were trying to make their careers doing this and and leave their full-time job and do this as their, as their career. And I wanted an easy way 
for bloggers to make a little bit of money. Like you can just do this recipe for my site and not have to do all the social media and not have to post something on your blog and not have to tell all your friends and family about it. Like it could just be this contained little exchange. So that that's how that all came about. Yeah, I think that's really a unique way to approach a lot of different topics too, because it could have felt very overwhelming, not just to produce the content, but also to be an expert in all of these different things. And it's really cool when you would browse through your site just to see, I would have never thought there could be so much content around, I mean, maybe basil, that that I can see, but there's some topics where I'm like, I would have never thought you could write that many articles that are not just like these obscure things, because like you said, you're following keyword research and you're following these like best practices. So they aren't random things that you're creating. They are very intentional posts, but it is kind of this idea of going kind of all in on these topics for a short amount of time. So what has been the hardest part of that process? Because as you're talking about it, I'm thinking like you almost have these mini teams for these topics. And I feel like that could be very overwhelming to manage. So what is, what's the hardest part of managing all of those people that are kind of coming together to support the cookful? Yeah, that has been a huge evolution and it's been part of my own like personal and business growth in project management and organization. And I mean, you know, uh, Heather McCurdy was my business manager. She's now left and she's doing something else wonderful, but she really brought so much organization and thoughtfulness into how to make it easy for me and for the contributors. But we did a bunch of different things. Early on, we were emailing people and and just having them pitch ideas to us. So we're like, hey, we're doing a series on stuffed peppers. What are your ideas? And that was really, really time consuming and really overwhelming. And then we started choosing the recipes first and we had like a sign up genius and people would have to first come for serve sign up for them. And we actually, I should, I don't know if yeah, you know, this is a recent change. We have moved away from having a whole bunch of different contributors on each topic. And instead, we're looking for one person to do each topic. So we just had Emily Pastor did a series on lamb. And Kathy Hester has a series on legumes in the Instant Pot that just went up. And we did one on salmon. Jill Silverman Hoff is the cookbook author behind that one. So instead of having a whole bunch of different people on each topic, now we're choosing one expert who we hope is really an expert on that topic. And that one person is doing it. And I think that's easier because it's one person <laughs> instead Managed, of a yeah. whole bunch. But it also brings some really nice consistency to things. I think when we had a whole bunch of different people doing it, it was great. But like, you know, somebody would come up with like the best cheesecake recipe. and But then nobody else was using that recipe. They were using their own. So we have like the best cheesecake recipe. And the obvious natural next step would be to riff on that recipe and make different versions of that one. And instead, we just have the best cheesecake recipe and then never mention it again as we're doing all these other things. So now with one person, they're able to be coherent. And like, like I said about poaching salmon, you also need to remember that when, you know what I mean? Like there's that consistency, coherence through the series. Well, and I think that makes a lot of sense because I think a lot of food bloggers approach their content planning in that way already, but just for their own site. But I think the difference is, you know, you might be having six cheesecake recipes that you're going to sprinkle in throughout the year, whereas you are kind of focusing in. And it's, I'm curious if you, do you announce those to your readers before they're coming? Like, oh, lamb is coming in two weeks, get excited, like that kind of thing. Or is it kind of, they don't really know. 
We, we have not been good at announcing, but I think it's because my expertise and passion is in the blog and the writing and not, and, and the recipes and not in the social media, the advertising, the marketing behind it. And so generally people find us from Google and from, I guess, Pinterest, and we're not really great on the other front. But we are about to hire a, a full-time social media person, a social media marketer, and I think it's going to really change. I think that that is going to be part of like a cohesive strategy for promoting things ahead of time and getting people excited. And, you know, even having people, I've thought about like having little challenges where people can cook through the series with us or, you know, guess what's coming. Like there's all kinds of things that we can do. We just haven't been. Well, and I think that brings up a really good point that sometimes there's like all these ideas or all these like should do's, but you have to be really strategic about where is your time best spent as the CEO of your food blog? And how can you utilize other people around you to try to do more, but also just stay in your lane in a little bit and in a little bit of a way. And so I love hearing that that's, you have these ideas, but you're like, that's not my zone. And so I'm going to put it on pause and maybe I'll do it someday, but right now is not the time for that. So I love that. That's a really cool, I had never heard of anyone doing that type of process before or that style of blogging before, or at least not done it very successfully. So I think it's a, it's really, it's really unique and it's cool to hear how you, um, use contributors. One final question on the cookful. Is there a way that people, if they are hearing this and they're like, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. Do you have people reach out to you? Do you primarily pitch other people? Like what is that process like for you? Just so people are kind of aware of how you do that. Yeah. You know what? Since we've just, we've just changed how we're doing this, we have been reaching out to people and using sort of our own connections. So people who I already like know and trust or have worked with, and that's what we've been doing. But I am absolutely open to people pitching us and yeah, I, I think it's the way that as you design the site, the way that we're kind of going is we want to be promoting the contributor as much as they are so it's like mutually beneficial mm -hmm. and so we really like it if they have cookbooks or something that we can be helping them it, it's hard to promote a blog like we, we can we do a little bit of linking if somebody contributes for us they can link three or four times to their content and so that's great for that google juice stuff but it's it's not as easy to promote as it is like physical products or uh, other things that they have so i think that that is we're looking for people who have that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a good um, a good structure for people to understand so that, you know, if that's if that does fall into what they do, then they can reach out. But I, I know that's been something that people have wondered about your site before. So let's shift a little bit and let's talk about Cook the Story. So kind of the, the original food blog for you. I think there's a lot of things that the Cookful kind of did differently by default. But can you talk about some of the ways that you've done things differently for Cook the Story maybe over the years or things that you feel like are a little bit different for you than maybe some other food bloggers and what they do? Yeah, I I think that I realized, I convinced myself early on that it wasn't cynical to use my statistics to figure out what my content should be. And as I think I already said, I think this was, this is pretty common knowledge now, but it wasn't then. And there was something about, I felt like I was being dishonest or something. If I'm like, well, I'm going to do a whole bunch of stuffed pepper recipes because that's what's doing well on my site in the stats. And I think I early on like convinced myself that, wait a minute, if it's doing well on the stats, that means people actually want this. So I'm serving my readers. I still, there's something a little bit like wonky in there, like justifying letting my, my 
content be stats driven. But when I convinced myself that it was okay to do that and started doing it and then saw the results from it, like it's just crazy. You know, my top post on Cook the Story back then was probably how to cook fish from frozen. And so we started doing how to cook a whole bunch of other stuff from frozen. So there's chicken breast, whole chicken, shrimp, that the how to cook shrimp from frozen, the how to cook chicken breast from frozen. Those are all in my top 10, like all the time now. And so and people do want that information, you know, like people are Googling that for that all the time. And so that is what's there. I, I will say anybody listening probably knows this. You can go ahead and do your own how to cook shrimp from frozen. And I and maybe you will compete with me. But it's this like weird. I, I'm saying this because I'm telling people what my top posts are and people don't always like to do that. I don't know that somebody else can just come along and do my top posts and then get ranking for it. Like Google see the algorithm has this like, oh, you are the one who gets to do pork, chicken wings and frozen food. And you are the one who gets to do baked pasta. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I just, I started doing that early on and that's what it, it has evolved into is I look at my stats and I figure out content based on that and not all of it, but like 50% is stuff that I'm noticing is rising in the stats. And I'm actually been working with a friend of mine who's like a computer programmer statistician to look at the stats and look for anomalies. Like I'm really excited to be like, oh, all of a sudden this shrimp post is is up on Wednesdays, every Wednesday. Why is it popular on Wednesdays? What's going on? And being able to dig in and see like what's happening there. And can we do more shrimp promotion on social media on Wednesdays? Like, you know what I mean? That is really interesting. And I think what you said about, you know, it feeling sort of inauthentic, I think is a maybe a good way to describe it, looking at your content from like a statistical lens. But I think what happened, and, and probably this was something you didn't know, because I know through our process of working through your branding and everything, I think it uncovered some things for you that was like, oh, yeah, that's that's what my site's about. Or, oh, yeah, that's like kind of what we do. But I think going and looking at it, like what's doing well, and then just kind of tapping into like, what else would I like to share that kind of fits with that? You're going to automatically kind of be in line with your brand because it is so personal. And so I think people would agree that that is something that they feel a little bit of, this feels weird to do it this way. But I also think that that naturally falls into your brand and like what your blog is supposed to be when you look at it that way, instead of just being like, I mean, you didn't go from how to cook frozen shrimp to like some, you know, five course shrimp dish that wouldn't make sense. It was just like, what else do people want to know that's similar? And I talk about that a lot with people on the podcast, just how to strategically plan your content that way, because otherwise you're kind of just hoping that it does well, but you already know it did well in this context. So it it's, it totally makes sense that it's a natural progression. So another thing that you have for Cook the Story is you also have a podcast. Can you talk a little bit about that side of kind of the business and how that has, like kind of what that has done for your business and maybe why you decided to start it? Yeah. So the podcast is called Time Management Insider. It The initials are TMI. So it's too much information about meal planning and time management for inside the home. There's the tagline. I just, I became, you know, I'm never just happy where I am. And that sort of meta beyond the recipe thing, like, okay, people are making these recipes, but what is their pain point? And how how are they getting through this? I really wanted to talk more about the meal planning and the strategies. And uh, so, so that's what that podcast is. What it has done 
for my business. You know, it's it's another one of these calling card like things. I think that, you know, I, I get invited to be on TV or, or other podcasts or things. And it's something else people can say about me. It's another way that people can interact with me and find me. The listenership isn't huge. So it's been a year now. And now we have about a thousand people listening a month. So you know, maybe maybe a hundred and something to each new episode. So it, it's not it's not like groundbreakingly huge. But what I also think that it has done, and this is really important, I I interview somebody on each episode, and I interview everyday people about their meal planning struggles and what's going on in their homes, and I interview cookbook authors and people who live in antique sailboats and people who like it's like whatever they're they're just sort of all over the place. But I get to really connect with these people, and especially when it ends up being bloggers or cookbook authors, you know, we we talk like you and I did before this episode, like we chat, you you find out about each other, you learn a little bit and you connect and we have Zoom. So we're doing it face to face. And I feel it feels almost like my early blogging days, like when I would go to conferences and meet people and connect and and we'd share those experiences. I even actually had a Google Hangout, a weekly Google Hangout with Katie Jaswitz from Katie's Cucina and we would interview other bloggers and we met a whole bunch of bloggers doing these Google Hangouts. Then we go to conferences and everybody knew who I was. And that's not a bad thing, you know, even though nobody was watching the Google Hangout, like none of our readers or anything. It was really just like me and Katie and whoever we were interviewing. And that, that was maybe one other person would watch it. But we got so connected to those people. And when I think about like the goodwill that I have, I think I have in the food blogging community, even though I don't super participate in the groups, I'm not super there. I do think that there is something that lingers. And I think it's from those Google Hangouts and those connections being generous with the people that I connected with. And now I'm doing that again. And so I think that even if nobody's really listening, what I'm doing in, in those interviews is really beneficial to me and others. Also, that's often how I end up finding you were asking about the contributors for the cookful. Like I'm chatting with somebody because we're going to do an interview and then I'm like, oh, they'd be really great for a lentil series, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that is unfortunately something that has kind of been lost in the food blogging world as it's grown so much, not necessarily within the community and within food bloggers themselves, but kind of that connection, that deeper connection with your audience. And even though you're only talking to, you know, one person, is it a weekly podcast? It is, It's weekly, yeah. So you're talking to one person a week and you're kind of getting to know them. But I think what you've probably been able to do is extrapolate like, well, this person is struggling with this part. And so there's other people who are struggling with that too. And I think probably you've created this community around these struggles being normal. And like, you're not the only one who struggles with XYZ when it comes to meal planning or time management. So I think that's really cool that you've been able to do that. And I would imagine it's probably helped you with content ideas and just kind of getting information. I mean, for a lot of food bloggers, we're never short of ideas, but you probably have a better insight and pulse into like the ideas that will do well and will matter to your people. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's happening. And you know where that's happening the most, and it's such a great reminder is I'm, I do a meal plan at the end of each episode. I just run through a five day dinner meal plan. And then that gets posted on the blog with a grocery list and tips for pulling that week together. I have to make that meal plan and I need to find recipes on my site that actually work for a weeknight for people and that will work together and coordinate and use some of the same ingredients. And it's been kind of eye-opening to be, oh wait, I don't have, I don't have these recipes. So we did like a whole bunch of sheet pan dinners and a whole bunch of one pot things to fill out this thing that was clearly missing. But then also in doing that, I know this isn't about the podcast, it's about like the meal plan part, but 
having to go and look at them and make grocery lists from them, like realizing the inconsistencies on the site. Like sometimes I say scallions and sometimes I say green onion and sometimes I'm using chicken broth and sometimes I'm using stock and being like, wait a minute, this is confusing, especially for new cooks, like who don't know the differences. Other things too, like I guess I was in like a pretentious phase at some point and everything calls for freshly ground black pepper. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like... (laughs) Not everybody does that. And so I'm, I'm doing the, I've done the conversion. I've measured it out myself and figured out what it should be. And I'm slowly going through and changing all the freshly ground peppers to black peppers and changing the amount because it just, or kosher salt. That's the other one. I'm just like, why, why are you calling for kosher salt in this chicken noodle soup? That's not necessary, you know? So, so it's been good. It's like, it's a, it's forcing me to reflect on the content on the sites in a, a more like holistic or more like from from above sort of yeah it's giving you kind of a pulse on everything and and I think that's the interesting thing because for a lot of people having all of these different things because I mean you you haven't even named all the things because I know a lot more of the things that you do but (laughs) I mean these are kind of the the top level ones but you know, you could look at all of that and be like, wow, that's overwhelming. And I think it can be, but where we're going to go next is really talking about your team and everything. But I, I think having those things and having those different avenues, it, it helps get you out of your food blogger mindset, because unfortunately, as a food blogger, like, you know, so many things that your readers do not know. And so many things are just, and that happens with anything that you're really good at in your zone of genius, or it's, it's like, other people are not going to have that same insider knowledge that you have. But so for you, like having the podcast, having the meal plans, it's giving you a way, almost a system around like double checking things and, you know, refining things. So I think that's really cool. Okay, so like I said, we're going to talk about your team and how that is structured. And I know it has changed a a good bit recently. So maybe let's go from like top level view. Will you just kind of give everybody an overview? I mean, you don't have to go into specific pitch positions and all of that, but what does your team look like? Or even like, where did it start? I mean, obviously it started with just you. And then fast forward to where we're at now today. Like, what has that journey been like for you? Yeah. So the first time that I hired somebody was my kid's babysitter, Madison also. Uh, And um, it was when I realized, this is like in 2013, that I realized that almost all of my content was sponsored content. It was just, I was trying so hard to get those deals and and get that uh, relationship built with the brands. And then all I had time for was to cook and shoot the recipes that I was contracted to do and didn't have time for my own content. And so, and I, it was really bothering me. I didn't like that every single post had like brands in the background and, and all of that kind of thing, which is totally fine if other people do it. it. I just didn't like it. So I ended up, I hired Madison for the summer. She was looking for a summer job and I taught her how to edit pictures and I taught her how to put together blog posts on WordPress. And we spent the summer, I was cooking four or five recipes a day. I'll say Monday to Thursday, because I think sometimes I didn't cook on Fridays, but we were cooking every day and I would go for a walk and I would speech to text the blog post and email it to her. And I'd take a picture of the recipe in my notebook. So, and she would take that and the pictures that she edited and she would put it together on WordPress and schedule it out. So we ended up with like eight months of content scheduled out over that summer. Wow. Yeah. And, um, it, well, I mean, the the point of that was so that when I could, I could then try to get the sponsored content and get more of it and know that it, I could then keep up. I could do two sponsored things a week and they would get slotted in between these other things. And I didn't have to worry about not having that pure, purer content. What ended up actually happening was I gave myself that breathing room 
And that's when I had the idea for the cookful. And so the the breathing room that I got got invested into the whole new site. And then I didn't stay eight months ahead, of course. But that was the first person that I hired. And it really, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it taught me to kind of let go a little bit. Like at first I was looking over her shoulder all the time and she's editing pictures. I'm like, no, brighter. No, no, it's too blue. And then at some point I was like, you know what? It's, it's fine. It's not what I would have done, but it's still really good. It's fine. Move on, you know? Um, so it taught me that. So that was the first person I, I had. A, after that, some contributors, I had like two contractors who were helping me in the kitchen and they were local and we kind of got a system for organizing things. And then that's when Heather came on board and she got us on Basecamp which is a project management system. And it is my life. I almost, I, I, I'm in Basecamp continuously. I work in Basecamp. I write in Basecamp. It's, it's where everything is. And so, yeah, then we had, oh gosh, where am I with this? A couple of contributors. And then I ended up hiring two ghost writers contractors a few years ago for cook the story so that essentially means that i i don't do any of the content anymore i hope that that doesn't bother people i direct the content like i'm doing the keyword research and i i I often even kind of write the recipe like this this is what i think it's going to look like like test it and take pictures of it and you know but this is what i think it's going to be you know but yeah so we had ghostwriters and then the contributors on the cookful and then heather was managing it all and then we had a social media contractor and do you want me to talk about where we're going now? Because it's different yeah. or do you have questions about that? Well, I think I think the question I want to ask you before we go into what it looks like now is what did having all of that support and also letting go of that control do for your business? And I, I think I know the answer to this, but I just, from a general standpoint, but I really want food bloggers to hear like that it was a struggle for you to let go of that control because I think we all struggle with that. But I want them to see also like what that did and kind of, you know, how that helped your business to grow the way that it did. So the first thing that it did was it made me enjoy cooking again because I was no longer, I mean, needing content for the site and making dinner for my family and hoping the leftovers would sh- would photograph well the next morning, like any of that kind of stuff or like that is all gone and I don't do any of the cooking for the site anymore. I mean, I'm always kind of testing things, but it's not in that, in that same kind of diligent way. So that has been really wonderful for me uh, in terms of, I, I, it's why I think it's how I'm growing my business is by having other people do these things. So like I said, I have the ghostwriters or contractors doing the content, but I that means I have the time to really think about what that content should be. I have time to to do the keyword research, to research the stats on my site, to I'm looking on Pinterest, I'm looking everywhere. Like if we're going to do a spaghetti and meatballs, it's going to be the quintessential spaghetti and meatballs and I'm going to find out how to do that. You know, I did not have the time for that, for sure. Yeah, so it it sounds like it kind of it leveled up your your content in a way because you were able to look at it not from a like what am I able to produce or do, but like what does the site need? And and I think you have continued to do that and continued to refine that. I think that's just so important to hear because so often we hear these stories of these businesses growing like crazy or they have a six-figure launch or they have a whatever and like oftentimes you are not seeing what's behind the scenes of that. And and people could look at your food blog and say like, "Wow, it's so big. She has two food blogs. I can't believe she can do that." But the reality is like you only can do that because of the team that you have. I mean, you probably could do a lot of it by yourself, but like you know, it just wouldn't look the same or your life certainly would not look the same. And I'm speaking from personal experience too, just of like, without that team support, you know, it would look a lot different. So, okay. So 
you know, you, you have had a lot of different positions, a lot of contractors along the way for both blogs. What are you shifting towards now for your team? It's so exciting. Yeah. So when um, I, I just realized that I had some positions to fill and I was going to have to start looking for new contractors, business manager, like whatever was happening. This is, I guess, six months ago. And my publicist, uh, Brittany, Brittany Lynn Lund, if people are looking for a publicist, she's amazing. I, I was complaining to Brittany. I'm like, oh my God, I need to hire people. I can't do this. And she's like, oh, you need to contact Meg, Meg Co. Meg, we'll make sure the link is there for people. But it's an HR contractor and they're unbelievable. But, you know, we had this meeting and I'm like, oh, yeah, I need, I, need a, I need a business manager. I need, I need this. We need contractors. And she was like, Christine, you need full-time employees. Like you need to have somebody who's not trying to grow their own business, who can focus and be invested with you, who you can rely on having there during the day, like not in person, but like certain times. And like, and I have all these things about like, I want my, my social media person to be taking courses and learning and doing this, which is really hard when you have a contractor. Like you, you I mean, I'm sure they're top of their game, but I can't be like, Ooh, you need to take Matt Mullen's newsletter course. Like they're going to say, okay, that'll be $200. <laughs> Or like, which is fine, but it's not, it, it, it's, it's getting in the way of that. So Meg convinced me to um, look for full-time employees instead. So we've hired a full-time business manager, which is wonderful. And, you know, she works Monday to Friday, eight to 40 hours a week and does all sorts of things. Um, she, she has taken your Gutenberg course at this point and is doing the Gutenberg edits, <laughs> converting. <laughs> so it's like VA slash, like as we, as we figure out all the roles and jobs, she, there's like little things that she could be picking up and doing. And then we have a content manager who puts together the blog posts from the ghostwriters and the contributors. All these people are submitting all of their stuff on Basecamp and she puts it all together into posts. I often, I don't speech to text the blog post anymore. I Marco Polo to her. So I'm like, okay, spaghetti meatballs. You need to make sure that you talk about this and can it freeze and how do you store it? And like all of that is in like Marco Polo. So that those two people are on the team and they're amazing. And the content manager has taken over my newsletter. I still am like writing them, but she's making sure the sequences all work and like she's in ConvertKit. That's been beautiful. And this week we just wrapped up the interviews. We are hiring a full-time recipe developer photographer. We're ghost blogger, ghost blogger, who is going to be doing, yeah, full-time recipe development, which I'm so excited about because with the contractors, I could say, okay, uh, do a lemon chicken recipe and then they charge what they charge and I get a lemon chicken recipe but it's you know it's somewhere between two to five hundred dollars depending on who it is or whatever I would never say to them I just want to know if you can brine chicken for two hours instead of three and if it's as good and like take a picture of it that's not worth three hundred dollars and then I end up in my head going well I should do that I can do that but I'm trying to not do that so it I think it's going to fill the gap in those like little tiny recipes little tips little projects that somebody could be doing and we're hiring a full-time social media person so it's not going to be contract it's going to be in-house managing the accounts I'm I have a goal of getting on TikTok soon and I think that that is how we will do that and what I'm really excited about is to see the interplay between these things. So, you know, I keep, I keep giving this example to people, but like when the TikTok feta pasta came out and the whole world went crazy with this viral pasta, I wanted a recipe like that on my site, like immediately. But 
I don't have a photo studio anymore. I'm working with contractors. We're like two or three months out. By the time we're going to get there, it's not possible. Whereas now I'm hoping the social media person will be like, hey guys, I just saw this thing on TikTok. Is the recipe developer free to do this thing this week? And we could like do it like quickly and respond to what's happening uh, trend wise. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be five of us, including me full time working on the two sites. That is so exciting. And I feel like even just hearing you say like full-time recipe developer, I'm like, that sounds like a dream job. Like I would love to do that. And I think something that a lot of people, you know, often have guilt around hiring out certain things because they're like, well, would anyone really want to do this thing? And we have to just kind of get out of our own heads about that because not everybody is like in the mindset, like most food bloggers, where you have to wear 17 hats. Most people just want to do the one thing that they really love. And there's so many people, especially now, like after everything last year in 2020, that people want remote jobs with flexibility. They want things that they are passionate about. And I think food blogging, we just have this ability. I was just having a conversation yesterday with, um, I was doing another interview and we were talking about how it's just when you're able to provide that for other people and to provide, you know, not only for your family, but for other people's family too. Like, and, and I think there's, there's this element of people get to a place in their food blog where they're like, well, why do I need to grow anymore? You know, like I don't need to grow it anymore. It's, it's making a lot of money. It's making a lot of page views. Like I'm good where I'm at. But when you kind of take that filter off and you start to realize like, if I continue to grow, then I could hire these people or I could do these things. I could, you know, that kind of gives it a different perspective and, So I just love hearing that because I think it's so exciting for you and it'll be really fun to just see like where your business is able to go with all of that support. And something else I know we talked about was just, and you you kind of hinted at it too, is just that when you have employees, there's more control in a good way of what is able to be produced and what is able to be done. Like you gave the example of like, if I have an idea and I want to do it tomorrow with a contractor, you might have a good one that can do that. But most likely there's, there's just like, rules and things about that. Whereas an employee, it's like, sure, I'd love to prioritize that for you and we'll move XYZ to next week. And so it's just this more intimate role almost in your business. And I think that lends itself to people who care a lot more about your business in the best way possible. So I love hearing that. Okay. So if somebody is in the position where they're hearing you talk and they're saying like, that sounds amazing. I would love to have a team like that, or I would love to not be doing this part of the business what would be your advice for someone who just feels overwhelmed even at thinking about that process, but they, they know that they need it or they want it? What would your advice be for that person to, to get started? Yeah, it, it's tricky, right? Hiring the first person or the next person you need to, you need to, well, you need to give up part of your income, which is, you know, n- never, never fun necessarily. And I, I guess I don't, I don't know that everybody has to do it. I know, I mean, we know, both of us know food bloggers who are doing it all themselves. Maybe they have a VA and they've got more page views than me even. And they are, I'm, I'm thinking of somebody in particular who has a gluten-free blog who amazes me all the time. Uh, but like there are people who just thrive on it and are doing it and they love it. I was in pain about a lot of it. Like I was just, I was, it was tedious and hard and wasn't exciting and I wasn't loving it. So I was making money, but I was not having a great time and then and by having a team who you know I'm in charge of essentially I am able to mostly do the things that I love I am I'm launching a second podcast on November 1st and (laughs) I'm doing the audio editing myself because I've discovered that I love audio editing and it's short it's just like five minutes a day but like I have the space to play and have joy around the things that I'm doing so I I guess I would say if somebody's thinking about it if they're content with how 
things are going, they don't need to think about it. But if they are, oh God, I really wish I didn't have to do Instagram anymore. I really wish I didn't have to write this up. I I think that there's that. The other thing, and you touched on this, the people have this control thing about like, well, nobody can cook the recipes that I do. Or like if I, if I have somebody else developing these recipes, will my readers still like, will they still have that quintessential me thing that people love? And I really, I feel like I'm able to be more quintessentially me in these recipes, like because I'm able to think them through more and to give that real direction and look at the site more globally and see what we need and spend that time. I feel like it's more. I'm not doing the cooking. I'm not doing the pictures, but I'm so deeply directing it that it's, it's, it's more. Yeah. I think that's what I would say. I love that. And I really think that points to just like when you're able to be in your zone and and do the thing that you love, like you avoid burnout, you avoid just kind of feeling like this is not fun anymore and I don't want to do it anymore. And like you said, you're able to have, I mean, you mentioned it right at the beginning of the episode that when you got ahead for Cook the Story is when you were able to have the like mental clarity and just brain space to be able to think of the cookful. And that in and of itself, I mean, I'm sure it's hard to imagine like what your business would look like without the cookful, but I mean, you wouldn't have had that if you weren't able to and it's, it's a funny example of like hiring a babysitter who helped you with the blog, but you did what you needed to do to get that brain space. And I think that's so important to to talk about. Okay, so the other thing that we just wanted to briefly touch on, um, I mentioned at the beginning, but we worked together on both of your websites and redesigning those this summer, which we... Um, we chatted a little bit before the episode that it was it was a big project to undertake. And I would love to just hear about your experience a little bit. And specifically, I would love to know, like, what was your favorite part of the experience of redesigning both of your websites? Yeah, so it was huge. And we did them both at the same time, which I mean, we talked about whether we would do that the same way again or not. And there's reasons to and reasons not to. But I guess if anybody has two blogs and wants to know my opinion, they can get in touch. But it was, I love the websites. I love what you've done. I love the logos. They are beautiful and clean and they're easy to navigate. I find I use my sites as a resource more than I did before. So I am really grateful to that. My favorite part was getting, I guess, the the mood boards and logo, the mock-ups, the mock-ups, the mood board, the logo from you, those steps. And I'm, you know this, but I was very resistant to doing any kind of mood boarding or anything. I really, anybody who's been blogging for a long time probably feels this way too. I wanted things to stay as close to how they were before. I was really wedded to like, my brand cannot change. It must look the same. And so I was really reluctant and you pushed me a little and I had to do some mood boarding and and some thinking about, you know, as you said, you, you seem to have a better handle on uh, what the tagline of my site should be than I do. <laughs> but but doing that and then seeing that come to life and seeing that like just like refreshed logo and refreshed color scheme and, and realizing, mm, realizing how outdated everything was. Like when you, I, I knew part of why we were doing this, I didn't really want to rebrand at all. It was just the back end was getting so clunky and we were having to hatch and fix so many little things because we hadn't redone the sites t- since I think 2014, 2015. And so seeing the contrast, I mean, it was actually hard to work on the old Cook the Story, you know, where like as, as I knew this other thing was happening, it was like, how do I even look at this every day? It's, it's so, yeah, I think my favorite thing was see- seeing those mock-ups and seeing that come to life and the experience was 
it was it was tough just because they're my babies. Those are my blogs, and 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 that that worry, that fear, even to the is traffic going to drop? Like, is there something that is there some weird platform thing that my sites have been built on that we're going to get rid of that it's all going to crash and that has not happened and everything is fine. So, but yeah, that makes it hard. But I, I really enjoyed seeing what you came up with and then watching it come to life. That was really cool. Yeah. And I think you just touched on so many things that I know other people either who have worked with us or people who are considering or know that they need to redesign their website have felt. And that's just this fear of, you know, it's like, you know, something is broken, but like, will it be better if I fix it? Or is it good enough? Like it is. And it's, it's this whole, we, we talk to our clients a lot about those fears and I love that it all came together for you because of course we see it coming together behind the scenes. And, you know, there is this moment of like, will they like it? I don't know. And you know, usually they do, but it's because of that whole process that you mentioned going through, just really digging into like, what is your brand? What do you want it to feel like? What do you want it to look like? And, you know, even for people who maybe are totally open to like a brand new logo and they don't want to keep any part of it, there is this element of like, I don't want it to feel different. I don't want it to seem, I don't want it to be confusing for my readers when they come to the site and it looks totally different. But I think that, you know, the way that we handle that is making sure that it still feels like you and it still feels like your brand, but obviously we want it to be an elevated, more modern, more updated version of that. You know, it's, it's the better version you didn't know was kind of like deep down inside of you. And that's, that's the reason why it's so like fun for us to go through the process and like dig into everything um, at the beginning. So I love hearing that. And I'm, I'm glad that you shared that it is it's hard work because obviously a lot of the hard work is being taken care of by our team, the technical stuff and building the theme and all of that. But there's some hard work that you have to do as the person, you know, getting this service done to dig in. Cause I have to know what's in your brain and what's in your heart about your business. And so it's, that's the deep work that you have to do to kind of get that out so that I can build the thing that is going to feel like you and is going to, you know, check all those boxes for you. So I love that you mentioned that because it is, you are handing off a big part of the work, but there is some work that has to be done on your end as the blogger, because if you don't, then you, we risk it not feeling like you. So I really liked to, I mean, as, as I said, I was very resistant to do that initial work because I didn't want anything to change. And I didn't feel like my answers were great. Like I really, I don't know, like who, what, I don't know how to answer this question. Like I, I was probably in a bad mood doing it and, <laughs> and didn't really know. And that somehow you guys were able to pull the threads of like the things that I did say and, and bring it in. Like you, you, you say it back to me and I'm like, oh yeah, that totally is what my site is. Good. <laughs> Somebody knows. <laughs> so that was really interesting too. I think that that is probably how, why you're so brilliant at this is that you're able to dig down into that and pull the important parts out and then have the, I don't know how you do that part, the physical manifestation of that. The, the, the difference, I mean, I guess most people don't have two blogs, so they're not going to see this side by side, but the color schemes of the two sites are so different and really do reflect, you know, like cook the story is a little bit heavier, but that's not, it's not heavy. It's like solid and, and stable. And the cookful has this like whimsy and fun to it, but still like smart. It still looks smart. Like, I don't, I don't know how, how um, you've done that, but they're very, very different. And the sites are very different in, in their audience and in how they approach things and, you've somehow given that a physicality that I find really fascinating. 
and I think one of the cool things for me was trying to figure out how that also still with both of them being so different how they still reflect you because at the even with the cookful being mostly contributor based like you are the editor-in-chief of that website and so it, it has this magazine feel to it and it has you know this you know this melting pot of people and contributors but again at the core it is still you as the founder and CEO and you know the editor-in-chief of that. So that was a fun part too, to kind of, and I think that's ultimately why we decided to do it together because I mean, when we first booked the project, it was going to look a lot different than it ended up actually looking. And it was going, you wanted it to be like one in the same sort of. And then when we got to the point of looking through the branding, it was like, wait a minute, these are very different. They can't be one in the same because it's, that would be confusing. And even the way you just described it, yeah, it just describes that they're very different, but ultimately they're both your babies and they're both, you know, wings of the overall like Christine Pittman brand. So thank you for sharing all of that and just your kind words, because it, you know, of course that's, that's what we hope is like how you're feeling about it, but you know, just never really know. And I appreciate you just being honest about everything um, as you're sharing. You you did mention that your sites have not crashed and burned. So <laughs> thank you for saying that. Um, but are there any other like results or feedback that, you know, you would like to share that you've had since those redesigns went live? I think it was in July. I, like I said, I, I find them easier to navigate and easier to find things on and like find things in like a I don't even know how to explain it. Like if I'm looking for ideas or looking for brainstorms, it's somehow much more searchable and and organized and and little things like in my stats. I mean, we've talked about this maybe a little bit. Um, my homepage I started to got get a lot more traffic, but that is that's because of the PR work that I've been doing. But I feel proud of that homepage. Like when I see that my homepage is like my third most popular page on my site, that used to, when I saw it climbing up before, I used to be like, no, people don't go there. <laughs> and now I'm like, and not, not only because it was old and clunky, not, it was, it was beautiful when it was first done. Right. But yeah, so that, that feeling of pride, like I do feel a lot more uh, pride around it. And the other thing is that the recipe index is really high in the stats now, which it didn't used to be. So I find that, um, that's good, right? That means that people are coming and clicking on that. Uh, it's not called that. It's called, I think, All Recipes or something like that. But um, so those are things that I've noticed that I'm really happy with. Yeah, I love hearing that because I, I think most people are like, oh, your homepage doesn't matter. But I, that has been a very big trend recently, especially with idea pins on Pinterest. A lot of people are having that. And then for people like you who are kind of doing other things in PR, you're bringing people to that. So that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're excited when that's happening and not like cringing and like, no, don't look there. And I think that's also giving people, I mean, those two pages are the pages that help people to dig in more and find what they're looking for. And that's how we built them. So that's a really good starting place for people. So, okay. Well, I would love for you to just share where people can connect with you, where they can follow all the things. And if you have any final like thoughts or advice that you want to share in that too, feel free. Yeah, I mean, I'm cook the story everywhere on social, except, well, except for TikTok, which I said we might try and do. And Twitter, somebody hacked my cook the story account and there was like a half naked person being cook the story for a while. And I think it's just been killed now. So I guess I'm not on Twitter anymore. But <laughs> uh, Facebook and Instagram, Pinterest, cook the story. And then, yeah, my podcast, Time Management Insider. And you did ask at some point if people wanted to contribute to the cookful, what they should do. If people want to be a guest on on um, TMI, I'm always interviewing people with interesting food situations. I just had a author on who has a book about oat milk. So we talked about like milk alternatives and a chocolate educator. We talked about how we don't have a lot of time, but if we want to choose a good 
bar of chocolate. How do we do that? And um, yeah, so it's kind of all over the place. And so if people have interesting things and then I'll, of course, promote them. Yeah, no, I love that. We'll definitely make sure all of those are in the show notes. I would love for people to go check out your sites and just just see some of the things that we did. And I I think your example of how different the two sites are, like if you pull them up in two windows, it's really fun to see how different they are. So we will definitely have those in the show notes. Thank you again so much for your time. This was so fun to dive in. And I hope that people walk away with so many ideas, but also just some encouragement that you can do this and you can build a team and it doesn't have to all rest on your shoulders because I think that's a dangerous place to be. But if people can see how you've done it and how others have done it, then they'll be encouraged to try that too. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Madison. This was great. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.